We're nearing the end of our series, The Master's Design, and I hope that you are learning much about God's design for our family. But more than just knowing God's truth, I hope and pray that you are applying this truth in your life so that you can experience the blessing of obeying the Lord. Now this morning, we'll look at the master's design for siblings. The master's design for siblings. How's your relationship with your siblings? Do you see them as God's gift to you? Or do you see them as a thorn on your side? Some of us, we have a close relationship with our siblings. Your sibling is your best friend, and that is something that you can be thankful for. But for others, you are not as close to your sibling as you want to be, even despite your best effort. And for some, you have an ongoing conflict and there is a strain in your relationship. Whatever your situation is, may you learn something from this topic and may God speak to you from his word. The title of our message today is My Brother's Keeper. My Brother's Keeper. Now here is our main lesson for today. Your sibling is your responsibility and God calls us to be our brother's keeper. Your sibling is your responsibility and God calls us to be our brother's keeper. That is God's design for siblings. God calls us to be each other's keeper. Now what do we mean to be our brother's keeper? To be our brother's keeper is to show love to our siblings and be responsible for what happens to them. Sadly, that's the opposite of what happened in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 records the first sibling rivalry in history. And the phrase, my brother's keeper, occurs in the context of the story between Cain and Abel. After the Lord expelled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden for their rebellion and their disobedience, their children, Cain and Abel, had a fight. Cain killed his brother Abel out of envy and jealousy. And after the murder, God confronted Cain. Genesis 4.9, God said, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? God already knows what happened, and he is just giving Cain the opportunity to confess his sin. But instead of admitting his offense, what did Cain say? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? You see, Cain answered back with sarcasm and defiance. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my sibling's well-being? I believe if God directly answered this question, he would say, yes, Cain, Abel is your responsibility. You are your brother's keeper. You are responsible for your sibling. And that's the point of our message today. We are responsible to our siblings and God calls us to be each other's keeper. Now, in what ways can we be our brother's keeper? While Cain is a negative example in the scripture, one Bible character is a positive example from which we can learn from. And that is Joseph, Joseph the dreamer. And many of us are familiar with this story from Genesis chapter 37 to 50. And who is Joseph? Joseph is Jacob's son. And Joseph had many siblings, one younger brother, one half-sister, and 10 older half-brothers. And Joseph's mother, Rachel, is his father's favorite wife. And because of this, Jacob loved Joseph more than his sons. Jacob gave Joseph a beautiful robe and this robe signified that Jacob is planning for Joseph to have the largest portion of the inheritance. And what's the result of Jacob's favoritism? Genesis 37, 4 tells us, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And when Joseph told his brothers about his dream of ruling over them, his brothers hated him all the more. And look at how they responded. 
Genesis 37.8, his brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. So what happened next? When the opportunity came, Joseph's brothers decided to get rid of him. The original plan was to kill Joseph, but they eventually decided to sell him. And because of his brother's hatred, Joseph ended up as a slave in Egypt. And because of his brother's jealousy, Joseph had to endure a lot of pain and suffering. Joseph suffered imprisonment and slavery. For 22 years, Joseph was far away from his whole family and far away from his homeland. But by God's providence, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. But even though he had become successful there, the pain in his heart stayed with him. And so he named his sons to reflect this reality. Genesis 41, 51 to 52, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now more than two decades after his brothers sold him, Joseph met his brothers once again. His brothers came to Egypt because there was famine and the famine was so severe in the land of Canaan. And they heard that there was grain in Egypt, so they traveled there to buy food. And despite everything that his brothers did to him, Joseph responded to them in a godly way. And he chose to be his brother's keeper. And Joseph showed us three ways which we can learn from. Joseph chose to be his brother's keeper. What did he do? Here's the first. And this is the first lesson for today. Do good to your siblings. Be your brother's keeper. Do good to your siblings. Joseph saw his brothers once again when they came to Egypt. Now, if you were Joseph, how would you react? How would you feel? What would you do? You've met your siblings who betrayed you, who caused you harm and pain and suffering, and now you're already in the position of power to do something to them. What would you do? How would you feel? And what, how will you deal with them? For Joseph, instead of taking vengeance, he showed kindness to his siblings, despite what they have done to him. Instead of getting revenge and harming them in return, Joseph showed them kindness and did good to them. What did Joseph do? Initially, he put them in prison to test them, but eventually Joseph released them. And afterwards, he gave them supplies and allowed them to go home. Look at Genesis 42:25. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain to put each man's silver back in his sack or he returned the money. Joseph gave them provisions for their journey. Eventually, Joseph brought his father, Jacob, and all his brothers together and their families. Joseph asked them to go to Egypt because there was a severe famine in the land and it will last for many years. You see, Joseph took responsibility to provide for his brothers and protect their families. And by doing so, Joseph saved his entire household from the famine. Now, why did Joseph did all of these things? Because of two things. Genesis 42 tells us, Joseph said that he feared God. I did this because I feared the Lord. And second, Joseph understand God's purpose and mission for him. Listen to what he said, Genesis 45. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Think about it. When Joseph's brothers needed help, he did not hoard the blessings that he received from God. 
Instead, Joseph opened his hand and was generous and kind to his brothers. And that is a beautiful picture of what God calls us to do for our siblings. As Proverbs 17, 17 tells us, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. This passage tells us that God meant for siblings to help each other, especially in times of trouble and need. Dear friends, may all of us be like Joseph. Let us be our brother's keeper and let us do good to our siblings. Like Joseph, let us fear God and let us understand our God-given mission. Let us fear God and let us understand our God-given mission. Now reflect on your life. Has God blessed you more than your brothers? Has God given you resources beyond your basic needs? If that is so, then God has a mission for you. And what is that? God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. Tell that to yourself, God has blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others, especially to my siblings. You see, God wants you to be a channel of his blessing to others so that you may glorify his name and so that you can do good to others. I remember the story of two brothers. The elder brother is a devout follower of Christ and the younger one is the black sheep in the family. The two did not have a very good relationship. The younger brother is a rebel and disrespects his elder brother. He's a drunkard, a gambler, and a womanizer. When he's angry, he would shout at his elder brother, curse him, and threaten him. Sadly, the younger brother and his wife separated and his family had a financial concern after some time. But what did the elder brother do? Did he say, Oh, buti nga sayo, bahala ka sa buhay mo? No, he did not say that. Instead, he showed love for God and love to his younger brother by helping him. He also supported the family by paying for the children of the younger brother, supporting them for education for, for several years. And the elder brother also supported his other siblings who are in need. By God's grace, the brothers reconciled and the younger brother's family was restored and they also came to know the Lord. And up until today, all of the siblings have a very good relationship. By God's grace, the brothers reconciled and they experienced the blessing of having unity and restored relationship. Of course, everything happened by God's grace. But I believe there's a key thing also that happened here. It is because the elder brother chose to be his brother's keeper. The elder brother chose to be his brother's keeper and did good to his younger brother. Now, I don't know what's your situation in your family. Perhaps you have a brother or sister who have financial concern. Perhaps you have a sibling who has a significant health issue right now. Then maybe this is an opportunity for you to show love and do good to your brothers and sisters. Again, here's the point. If God has blessed you, then God has a mission for you. And that is for you to be a channel of his blessing. God has blessed you to be a blessing to others. May God help us. Now, what do you do if you are the one who needs help? Here is what you need to remember. Don't be a burden and don't demand. Again, on the other side, if God has blessed you, be a channel of God's blessing. But if you're on the other side, if you are the one who needs help, don't be a burden and don't demand. Now, let me explain. Don't be a burden. Before you ask for help, make sure that you did your best to solve your problems independently. Be responsible and learn to stand on your own feet. You see, some people, they don't want to exert any effort and they just run immediately for help at the first sign of difficulty. But that is wrong. 
Remember that you are not the only person who has problems. Your other people, including your siblings, also have significant problems that they also face. They also have their challenges. So do your best not to be a burden. Now, when you're asking for help, don't demand people to help you. Ask humbly, because most likely if you ask humbly, people would help and they would feel your pain and they would do their best to help you. Now, if others don't help you, don't demand it. Maybe God has a different purpose and plan for you. Maybe God is teaching you something there. But if others already help you, then be grateful. Again, remember, don't demand, but be humble and be grateful when you're asking for help. And if people help you already, be grateful. But if not, look for ways or ask God to guide you. In, in So how can you be helped? And again, the point is don't demand and don't be a burden. Now, for those of us who are in a position to help our siblings, what do we need to do other than doing good? Of course, doing good is, is great. We do good to our siblings, but then we should exercise discernment as well. How? The Apostle Paul gives us this command in 1 Thessalonians 5. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and undisciplined. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient for everyone. Now, here's the principle. Different people need different kinds of help. So we need to identify, whenever we help people, we need to identify what kind of people are they. Are they idle or undisciplined? Are they faint-hearted or are they weak? Again, different people need different kinds of help. If the person is idle and undisciplined, we don't encourage them to continue in their idleness. Instead, we warn them and admonish them. And how about the weak? We don't correct the weak, but we help them. And the faint-hearted, we don't scold the faint-hearted, but we encourage them. Again, the point is we need to practice and exercise discernment in the way we help our siblings. Because, you know, as much as possible, we want to help them. But if we are not careful, the help that we are giving may actually end up the opposite. The help that we are giving them might actually harm them in the end. You see, even Joseph did not immediately display his love to his brothers. When his brothers came to Egypt to buy grain, Joseph recognized them, but he exercised discernment. He hid his identity first and so to test them to see if they are really, if, if his brother have changed already. Joseph wants to ensure that his brothers were no longer the same people who wanted to kill him. Remember, Joseph's brother and him, they did not see each other for many years. And so Joseph wanted to make sure that his brother have, have already changed. They are no longer bitter and angry and prideful. Now, in Genesis 44, we see that Joseph gave the final test to see if the brothers love Benjamin, who is the full brother of Joseph. Joseph is saying, is, Joseph is checking, do they love their half-brother Benjamin? Or are they also jealous of him as they were jealous of Joseph? And praise God, through the test, Joseph saw that his brothers had changed. They were sorrowful for what they've done in the past and their love for Benjamin is real. Now, how about you? Maybe you have a sibling who is manipulating things and who is a manipulator taking advantage of your family or your parents. Or perhaps you have a brother who is into sinful vices like gambling, drugs, or alcohol. Or maybe you have a sibling who is financially irresponsible but is asking money from you. Or maybe they are 
they are um, doing poor choices, making poor choices in their physical health, financial, or relational choices. How would you know how to best help them? I encourage you to practice discernment. Let God's word guide you. And if you are unsure, go and ask help from godly people and seek God's guidance. Again, do good to your siblings, but exercise discernment in doing so. Now, Joseph's example in doing good to his brother reflects also what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to do. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus shows us other examples of how we can do good to our siblings or to others, especially to those who are difficult to love. Look at this in Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Again, review the list. What's applicable in your situation? Is it loving your enemies? Doing good to those who hate you? Blessing those who curse you? Praying for those who mistreat you? Turning the other cheek? And not withholding from others? Or giving to those who are asking? Again, these commands are difficult to follow, but Christ our Lord calls us to follow them. Christ our masters expects us to obey. Now, this is difficult, but what would motivate us to do good? Here is something that would motivate us. Verse 35, Jesus said, Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Brothers and sisters, this is our encouragement. When we do good to our siblings, we reflect God. And when we love those who are difficult to love, we honor his name. And God promised that he will reward us for our obedience and faithfulness. And so may the Lord help us. Now, what else can we do to be our brother's keeper? Here's the second point. Forgive their offenses. Forgive their offenses. Joseph did not only did good to his siblings, but he also, more importantly, he forgave them for what they have done to him. Genesis 50, 15 to 18. Now that their father was dead, Joseph's brother became fearful. And they said, now Joseph will just... They were afraid, the brothers are saying. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, they said to Joseph, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he assured them by speaking kindly to them. You see, Joseph's brothers were afraid. They said, Wala na tatay natin. Baka maghiganti si Joseph. Perhaps Joseph would take revenge on us because our father is no longer around. But what did Joseph do? He assured them that he had forgiven them. Now what helped Joseph forgive his siblings despite the sins that they have done to him? Look at verse 19. It says, Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? 
you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You see, Joseph understand two things. First, he understood that he is not God. Joseph understood that he is not God. And that's why he said, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? And second, Joseph understood that God is at work. God is at work. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good. You see, there is something amazing here. Joseph, during that time, did not have the book of Romans to guide him, and, but he embraced this truth and reality that God gave, that God eventually revealed in the New Testament. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1219. And this is basically what Joseph did. He did not consider himself as, as God who should punish, but Joseph said, am I God that I can punish you? Joseph understood that he is not God. Romans 12, 19 says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And also, Romans 8, 28, Joseph understood that God is at work. As Romans 8, 28 tells us, As we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Dear brothers and sisters, how about us? Are we still in conflict with our siblings? Do you find it difficult to love them and forgive them? May we be like Joseph. Let us forgive each other, especially our siblings who sin against us. Why? Because we are not God. Let us leave room for God's vengeance. And let us trust God in his sovereign work, in his perfect plan for our lives. Now at this point, I'd like to spend a few more minutes to talk about forgiveness and allow me to explain the steps that should be involved in asking for forgiveness. Now here's the principle I want you to remember. True forgiveness can only happen if sin is acknowledged and dealt with. True forgiveness can only happen if sin is acknowledged and dealt with. Now let's unpack this truth as we learn these steps. Now these steps is based on the seven A's of confession by Ken Sand. If you are the offender and if you are the one who needs to ask for forgiveness, remember to do these things. Number one, address everyone involved. You see, real confession begins by admitting, that, uh, by admitting your sin to everyone directly impacted by it. Address everyone involved. The second, avoid using if, but, maybe. You see, the quickest way to ruin a confession is to blame shift and minimize or excuse your guilt. Now, here's a classic confession. I'm sorry if I have done something wrong to make you mad. I'm sorry if I have done something wrong to make you mad. Now, what's wrong with that confession? The word if highlights that uh, it means that you are not really sure if you did something wrong or not. You see, when Joseph's brother confessed their sins, they did not say, oh, Joseph, I'm not really sure if we did something wrong. No, they did not say that. They admitted their fault. And actually, they did not also blame the shift. The other brothers could have said, we're sorry, but si Kuya talaga yung may kasalanan kasi sila nagplano, sumunod lang kami, nadamay lang kami dito. No, did not, they did not say that. Instead, they admitted, all of us are at fault. All of us are confessing this sin. And that leads us to the third. Admit specifically. Admit specifically. Joseph's brothers admitted their sin. They acknowledged the tremendous wrong and cruelty that they did to Joseph. And they said, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong that they did to you for the sins of treating you cruelly. 
In the same way, we need to be specific in admitting the sin and offense that we have done against our sibling. Specific admission shows us that we clearly understood that we have committed sin and that we have hurt them. And being specific also would help us identify the things that we need to change later on, either in words, action, or attitude. Now, here's the question. If someone is not asking for forgiveness, can you forgive that person? Can you forgive someone who did not ask for forgiveness? Technically, the answer is no. You see, it takes two to fight and it takes two to make up as well. For true restoration to happen and for true reconciliation to happen, there should be a desire for both parties to reconcile. Now, let me explain that. There's a difference between attitudinal forgiveness and transactional forgiveness. You see, as followers of Christ, God expects us to have an attitude of forgiveness in our heart, even if the person who offended us has not asked for forgiveness and has not taken responsibility for his or her sin. As Colossians 3.13 tells us, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This verse tells us that we should always be ready to forgive and that we should have a forgiving attitude. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Even if the person is not yet asking for forgiveness, we should be ready to forgive them. And when the time comes that they come to us and ask for forgiveness, we extend that forgiveness. Now, God displays this attitude and readiness to forgive on the cross. Through Christ, God opens up himself to those who would come to him, to those who would confess their sins, and those who would ask for forgiveness. That's the attitudinal forgiveness. Now, how about the transactional forgiveness? Well, the transactional forgiveness is something that happens when a person already asks for forgiveness specifically. And that is the same thing with us. That is what God wants us to do. You see, if we want forgiveness from God, God does not forgive all persons, only those who ask for forgiveness. Let me clarify that. If you want forgiveness from God, God does not forgive any person without that individual going to him to request it first. Look at this in 1 John 1.9. It says, if we confess our sin, that's the condition to receive forgiveness. If we confess, then God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Again, here's the point. To receive forgiveness, we need to admit our sins. We need to admit that we are at fault and then we can ask pardon for that specific sin and fault that we did. Next, aside from admitting the sin, we should acknowledge the hurt. Forgiveness is not just about forgetting. It's actually the opposite. True forgiveness begins with remembering. Remembering that what has happened has caused hurt and pain for the other person. Remembering what has happened caused pain and hurt. And you see, this is something that Joseph showed us also. He himself acknowledged that he was hurt and his brothers did to him was evil. He did not say, oh, okay lang. Oh, let's forget about it. Hindi, wala naman yun eh. Okay lang ako. No, Joseph did not say that. He said, you know, you meant evil against me and you intended to harm me. You wanted me dead. You wanted to kill me. And that, I'm so hurt with that. And I experienced so much pain. You see, 
In the same way, we need to acknowledge the hurt that we have caused the other person. And so when asking for forgiveness, let us also be honest with this situation. Now next, accept the consequence. Accepting any penalty <clears throat> for the offense demonstrates the genuine repentance of the one asking for forgiveness. You see, there should be restitution. Look at the brothers of Joseph. They said, we are ready to accept the consequences of your actions. How did they show that? They told Joseph, forgive our sins. We are your slaves. You see, think about it. Hindi nila sinabi, oh, Joseph, please forgive our sins. Then let's move on na. No, they did not say that. Instead, they said, Joseph, please forgive our sins. We are your slaves. Instead, his brothers, um, his brothers said, Joseph, you know, Joseph, we want to show you that we are willing to make up for our sins. We sold you before as a slave, but now we are willing to, to face the penalty, the consequence of our sin, and we are willing to be your slave. And that's justice, right? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They're saying, how can I make up? We sold you to slavery before, and now you can make us your slave. And you see, this is something that we need to understand. Sin is costly, and forgiveness is actually costly. It will cost the person to pay a high price to pay for that sin. And that is something that we also experience in Christ. Yes, we receive Christ's forgiveness. We receive God's grace for free. But the cost of that forgiveness, the payment for that penalty of sin, costs so much. It costs God. It costs Christ his life the shedding of his blood, his precious blood on the cross so that we can receive forgiveness and so that we can be accepted into God's presence. Remember that there should be a payment as part of the penalty of sin and that is death. And so let us not forget that. Again, we need to understand in dealing with forgiveness, we need to be ready to accept that consequences. In our part, Christ receive that consequence, that consequence that should have fallen upon us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and, but Christ took that death from us and he died the death that we deserve. So brothers and sisters, let us remember the grace of God. Now next is alter your behavior. Since repentance ex includes explaining to the person how you have offended him and how you plan to change in the future by God's grace, you need to explain to that person how you can alter your behavior by changing your words or actions and attitudes next time. And then of course, part of that is you need to ask for forgiveness. After admitting specifically your fault, after acknowledging the hurt, after um, communicating that you are willing to accept the consequence, then ask for forgiveness. You see, if you follow the steps above, Many would be willing to forgive you and move on. But sometimes the other person might not, might not but sometimes the other person is not yet ready. That person may need more time to forgive you. So don't be surprised because reconciliation doesn't happen in an instant. Remember, forgiveness is a process. What's important is that you make sure that you confess thoroughly. And if that person is not yet ready to forgive you, then give that person time. And if that person is not really willing to forgive you, then that is the issue between him and the Lord. But what's important is you did your best to reach out, to confess, ask for forgiveness. Now, if you have asked for forgiveness, there will be times that reconciling would no longer be possible. 
but nonetheless, you do your best to follow this principle and live faithfully. Follow this principle in Romans 12:18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Now let's go to the third point. Point them to God. Be your brother's keeper. Do good to your siblings. Forgive their offenses and point them to God. After Joseph chose to be his brother's keeper by forgiving his brothers, he pointed them to God. Genesis 50, 24 to 25. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones up from here. Joseph assured his brothers that they'd be okay even after he's gone. And he pointed them to God saying, God will surely take care of you. God will surely take care of you. And Joseph understood that he was just God's instrument. And it is God who is their family's ultimate source of help. You see, it's very important for us to point our siblings. When we help them, it's important to point our siblings, not just to, our, not to ourselves, but point them to God who is their true helper. Now let's go to the New Testament. There's a beautiful example of how we can show love to your siblings by pointing them to God. This is in John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. You see, when Andrew learned about the Messiah, the first thing that he did was to look for his brother Simon and tell him about Christ. May all of us be like Andrew. Let us point our siblings to God and let us point them to his help. But more importantly, let us point them to God's salvation. You see, the best thing that we can do to our siblings is not to give them money, not to encourage them or not to be present with them. But these are good things. But the best thing that we can do to them is point them to God, point them to Christ because God is the ultimate source of their help and the ultimate need that they need to feel is the salvation that comes from Christ, the salvation of knowing the Lord, the salvation of having that relationship with Christ and having that eternal life. I remember my sister-in-law and her husband, they came home recently from the U.S. to spend time with family and friends here in the Philippines. And what I admire about them is their intentionality to have spiritual conversations with people. They actively share the gospel with the people they interact with, especially with their family members. Their heart's desire is to see their family members to come to know Christ and be saved. And so may this be also the desires of our heart. Let us do our best to point our sibling to God and lead them to Christ. Now, the ultimate example of how to love our siblings is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 6 tells us that Jesus had four younger brothers and at least two sisters. He said, Mark 6, 3, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Note that Jesus had a brother, named specifically James and Judas, because we'll come back to that later. Now again, Jesus had siblings, but the sad reality is they did not believe in him. As the apostle John tells us, even his brothers did not believe in him. Imagine Jesus and his siblings lived together in one house. They grew up together, but despite their exposure to Jesus' perfect life, 
despite their exposure to the word of Christ and the work of Christ, Jesus' siblings did not believe in him, and that's the sad reality. And not only that, Jesus' brothers treated him with disrespect. John 7, 2-5. Soon it was time for the Jewish festivals of shelters, and Jesus' brothers said to him, Live here and go to Judea, where your followers can see you, your miracles. You can become famous if you hide like this. You can do such wonderful things. Just show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Notice how rude, how sarcastic that his brothers to Jesus. But how did Jesus reply? Hindi nila pinatulan. Hindi pinatulan ni Jesus. He did not return evil with evil. Instead, Christ answered them gently. And Jesus decided to travel alone without the publicity that his brothers recommended. Now here's another thing. Jesus' family thought that Jesus was crazy. Mark 3. One time Jesus entered the house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat because they were so busy, busy doing miracles. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away and said, He's out of his mind, they said. You see, his brothers disrespected him, his family dishonored Jesus and called him crazy. He is out of his mind. And no wonder Jesus said, A prophet is without honor except in his own town, among his own relatives, and in his own household. Now think about it. If you were Jesus, what would you feel? Imagine the pain and sadness in Jesus' heart because his siblings rejected him. Again, if you were Jesus, how would you treat your siblings? How would you feel and how would you deal with them? Perhaps you would say, If they don't want to believe in me, then it's their loss. Why would I waste my time for them? I'll go to those who would appreciate me and receive me. But praise God, Jesus did not give up on his siblings. Jesus loved his siblings up to the end and he did not give up on them. What did Jesus do? After Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to many people and the apostle Paul gave a list of those who witnessed Christ resurrected. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Simon Peter, then to the twelve, and after he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus, then to all the apostles. Read it again. Jesus appeared to whom? To James, his brother. He was actually the only unbeliever in that list. You see, out of his great love, for his brother, Jesus appeared to James. Now, why James? Most likely, si James yung kasunod Jesus, the second in the family. And so, Jesus was also being strategic no, in, in leading his family to Christ. And what was the result? Eventually, because Christ resurrected and he appeared to James, his brother James believed in the risen Christ. Not only James, but also there is another brother who is Jude or Judas, as mentioned earlier. Both James and Jude repented and became committed servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, look at this verse in Acts chapter 114 after Jesus' ascension. Mary and the brother of Jesus joined the disciples. It says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Note that it's in plural. And we are believing that all of Jesus' brothers, the whole family was there. Again, the point is together, the family is now following Christ. Both 
James and Jude, together with their mother and with their siblings, all of them are obeying Christ and they are waiting patiently for the coming of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And what a great joy it must have been in heaven, especially for Christ, to see his earthly brothers put his trust and faith in him. You see, Jesus' brothers not only repented, but they also committed their lives to be the servants of Christ, their elder brother. Both James and Jude served as influential leaders in the early church. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And also, James and Jude, each of them wrote a book in the New Testament, the book of James and the book of Jude. You see, despite his brother's rejection, despite the rejection of Jesus' brothers, their disrespect, their disbelief, their sarcasm, their disrespect, and everything that they've done. Jesus loved them until the end. He never returned evil for evil. He forgave them and pursued them so that they may be saved, so that they may believe in Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, may we be like our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not give up on our siblings. Let us do our best to pray for them, to share the good news of Christ, and lead them to God. May the Lord help us. Now, as we close, let us summarize what we've discussed. Today, we've learned this important lesson about the master's design for siblings. Your sibling is your responsibility, and God calls us to be our brother's keepers. Our sibling is our responsibility, and God calls us to be each other's keeper. And how can we be our brother's keeper? Do good to your siblings. Show kindness to your sibling. Love them, especially during difficult times. Be generous, show kindness, and help them in time of need. But as you do, also exercise discernment to know how to best help them. Next, forgive their offenses. If your siblings have offended you, be ready in your heart to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And when they truly repent and ask for forgiveness, extend that grace that you have received from the Lord. Extend forgiveness to them. Yes, forgiveness is a process, but always be ready in your heart. Do your best to reconcile and be at peace with everyone. And the last, point them to God and lead them to Jesus. Show them that God is the ultimate source of their help. Pray for them, share the good news to them, share the good news of Christ and be an instrument of God's grace in your family. And as we end, let me give you this verse in Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Again, your sibling is your responsibility and God calls us to be our brother's keeper. Let us do kindness. Let us show kindness. Let us do good to our siblings. Let us forgive their offenses and let us point them to God and lead them to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh God most high, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are mighty in your deeds. Your wisdom is everlasting and no one can be compared to you. Oh God, we praise you, we honor your name. And we praise you, O oh Lord, for you are also our loving Father. Through Christ, we can call you our Abba, our Father. And because of what Christ has done on the cross for our sins, because of the salvation that you've given us, we can come before you with boldness. Thank you, O oh God, for what Christ has done. And we come before you today with thanksgiving for the message that you have reminded us. 
Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that we are to be our brother's keeper, that we are to be each other's keeper. Forgive us, O God, for many times that we have failed to do this. We have been focused on ourselves. We have not taken up that responsibility. Forgive us, O God, because you want us to be our brother's keeper. Help us to reconcile to our brothers and sisters, our siblings, especially for those of us who are in conflict. Help us, Lord, to have peace first and foremost with you, to come before you, to come clean before you, forgive us of our sins and help us to have peace with you. And with that peace that we receive from you, with that love that we receive from you, with that forgiveness that we receive from you, help us to extend that love, peace and forgiveness to our brothers and sisters. Help us, O God, by your grace, to love each other, to love one another, and so that we can experience your perfect plan for us. And that is for us to be reconciled, for us to experience how to live in unity and harmony that honors your name and that blesses our family. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you so much. And we pray that you help us, Lord, as we face our challenges, continue to be with us, enable us with your spirit to do good to our siblings, to forgive each other, and more importantly, to point each other to God. Help us to encourage one another, especially for our siblings who are not yet believers. We pray that by your Spirit, draw them near to you. Give us the courage to preach the gospel to them and help us, Lord God, to be salt and light in our family. We pray for our country. Continue to be with us. We pray for our leaders. We pray for President Bongbong Marcos and his cabinet. Continue to watch over our leaders, help our leaders, Lord God, to have the wisdom to know how to navigate through the challenges that we face. Help us, O God, to recover from the calamities that recently battered our country. We pray, O God, we ask for your healing. Heal our land, O Lord. Help us to recover, not just economically, but to recover, especially spiritually, revive our hearts. Help us, Lord God, to be the Christian nation that you called us to be. Help us to be faithful to you, to the calling that you've given us. And we pray, Lord God, that in every way that we would do our best by your Spirit to exert effort to live out your Master's design for our family, in our relationships, in our family, with each members of our household. Thank you, O God. Continue to grant us your presence, grant us your peace. And Lord, uh, for those of us who are sick, for those of us who need healing, we pray that you grant us your Healing grace, make us whole. Be the one to enable us to experience your goodness, your faithfulness in this, la in, in this land of the living, O Lord. Help us to taste the resurrection power of Christ as we pray for your healing. Make us whole. Provide for our needs financially, spiritually, O God. Surround us with people who would encourage us. And in every way, may we glorify you as we endure as we face our trials, help us to overcome, help us to encourage others, and help us in, in the way we face our challenges, help us to be more and more like Christ, to grow in Christ-likeness, to endure as, we, as you build our faith, as you make us, Lord God, to be like Christ, for the honor and glory of your name. Thank you so much. Now receive this benediction. As you take up your responsibility to be your brother's keeper, may the Lord compel you with his love, May the Lord himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen 
Amen and Amen. Thank you very much for joining us once again. God bless us all. See you again next time.